0: Oh, there we go. Hey. Oh, hello. <clears throat> hello. Look at that hair! My hey. goodness, you need a COVID cut. No, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it. Well, yeah. I I gotta go with it now. I. uh... Yeah.
2: I've had too short. I like. Why manage it now? It's just on its own, right? It's like the beer.
3: Doing its own thing. <laughs> all right. Well, how you doing? How's how's
0: you back at work?
2: Yeah, about three quarters of the way back to full speed. So it's just my second week, but it's it's speeding up.
0: Wow. Yeah. People are coming in?
2: Yeah, yeah. We've had such a backlog of uh Dr. Osborne kind of worked virtually through all that time and uh doctors. You know they couldn't see anybody, they couldn't scope or look at uh, the tonsils or even have anyone open their mouth, really. Um, so they just pushed everyone to home home virtual work and so once we got back, we had a lot of people that needed to be scoped and a lot of people that needed to actually be checked out, so we've kind of gone through that list uh, slowly and and it's 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 coming The, this, the city's a little uh a little slow to return, but
0: yeah. and you're in you're in Peel, are you in Halton?
2: I live in Halton, um, but the, the office is in downtown Toronto.
0: That's not fair. So you're in now going to be in stage three, phase three.
2: Yeah, the the kids and, and everybody, they get to, you know, where you go to, to shop is okay, but not downtown, not yet.
0: No, no, we're, we're, we're still in phase two as well, because we're in Peel. Right, yeah. And Carrie's in Nashville, so I'm she's
3: Nashville. like, wide open. No, they yanked it back into phase two, because all the yahoos were coming down here to the bars. Drinking yeah. and carrying on without masks, and uh, it got, 4th of July, got canceled, everything. So and now we're still in phase two, and now the big hoopla is schools and mask wearing, and, you know, because certain things, lifts are coming off, and yeah. are they going to keep that in? But, okay, wait. when you said, I had this visual when you said, you know, patience and not being able to see vocal cords, and there's part of my craziness as an opera singer that would have been like, if I needed you to look at my cords, we might have gotten on Zoom with the dental mirror and the flashlight <laughs> and like, can you see in there?
0: <laughs> oh, come on, I know. <laughs> a singer friend of mine actually bought, a. so she said, a portable camera that she can look at her cords. Is that, is that true, Aaron?
2: You know, I tried that. I bought one off of some, you know, cheap website or whatever that's just a camera. But you gotta be pretty tricky because the gag's gotta be almost delayed. And then they'll try to push the scope in just over their tongue and curve it like that. And then it's hooked to maybe their computer.
1: Oh. Um,
2: to look you basically see just the general anatomy, but we use strobe lights and we use things in slow motion. So, you know, it's not detailed, but it's it's a, a, a scary look, I guess.
0: Well, tell us where you are. I mean, it kind of is broadcasted there behind you, but where are you and, and what do you do and what would you call yourself? How about that? Uh,
2: I, I own the voice clinic. So we have a clinic uh, where we we work together with an ear, nose and throat uh, doctor. His name is Dr. Alex Osborne. And Alex works both pediatrically and with adults, but he's got all the medical aspects of, uh, of what we need. And I'm a speech-language pathologist that special, like I specialize or just work specifically with voice, um, and so my work complements his in that we know patients that come in get checked in Canada for cancers and for tumors and for major issues, and then once that's cleared, then they can come through uh, speech pathology and and access voice therapy, but I also help with uh, singing. Uh, artists and different types of artists of different genres who fall into problems that aren 't pathological they 're uh, predominantly tension or technique based and we can start to sort of change those things that would be impeding their skill their their sound
0: okay that works but for me.
2: All, okay. all therapy in my hands, and then he 's all medicine and and uh, yet it it 's a good team that 's what you always need is a team with a doctor and a therapist. But you-
0: you not not only talk to people as a speech pathologist, but you use your hands, and you are truly unique in that you use your hands to actually massage the jaw, the neck, the all of these muscles yourself, correct?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, when I was trained, uh, it was an early stage of all this, just the very, very beginning. I would have been the first student trained in it, but it's to reset the voice or what what Nelson Roy called reposturing. So if your voice box got kind of crumpled together and it's supposed to have a space between there and there and it's supposed to have a space between there and there and then there's supposed to be room for it to move around a little bit. A lot of our tension points in the body and the neck and the jaw and the tongue can shift things and make something too tight. And then we just keep training exercises that aren't working. So the exercises are usually... Singing exercise, ease, saying okay i 'm trying to do an arpeggio or a scale. This is like running over the hurdles really fast, and yet if your hamstring is tight and you can 't get over one hurdle you 're not supposed to practice hurdles at this point we 've got to get out of that and get some therapy in there. so I take the voice box and over time i 've learned where the points are that can be released quickly, how much that speed versus maybe technique of of uh, the person 's speech breathing um, their 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 life and the amount of stress that they're in um, where they where they think their voice is and where they think exercises should be but really they might be misinterpreting it a bit and doing them wrong um, so a lot of the exercises out there and the things that people know from the internet might be general and knowledge but the way you do them or the exactness of them are that's much different then. so if we say we're doing a trill wrong, okay, you could be doing a trill and creating a problem that you didn't know you're even doing at the time. So um, a bit of it is is exercises and stretching and and working the voice, very much like physio and kinesiology would work a leg or a hamstring. Um, and then I manually release it around the thyroid gland, your carotid arteries, your parathyroid, your, your swallowing at the time, your all these things are happening in this little small center, so it becomes a very focused massage. It, it's a manual release of the cricothyroid muscles or manual release of the thyrohyoid muscles, and those muscles will specifically lend to this problem or that problem. So that we can take the picture of the patient and the problem, and then say, "Okay, I think it's this and this, not what might be diagnosed as reflux and right, right, like
0: yeah, yeah. magic hands." Hmm. I don't know.
3: Uh, I I'm curious. I know you and I met before through Sandra in in Toronto and a lot of what manual things you did on me were things that were similar, some were new. Um, but similar to what I experienced here in Nashville, when we found out that I had like some uh, muscle knot, I called them muscle knots, like what you get in your back. Um, and I, he paired me with physical therapists that he had trained, So there's this voice clinic here in Nashville and they, you know, they also work on, on all kinds of instrumentalists and and musicians, but, um, they are trained physical therapists. So, but they specialized in this as well. So is that the same thing or are we talking two different things? It's
2: similar. It's like the the physical therapy teams are coming into this field because the speech pathologists, I don't think are driving it as much. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we can train physical therapy, to then do sound analysis and video stroboscopy and all that they would take it away from us oh but we need that to be ent and speech pathology driven so we're using rmt's in certain provinces or we're using a physiotherapist in certain provinces because there might not be interest from a speech pathologist in canada mm-hmm. or certain states okay and they might not have any training because there's very few professors that are really training it deeply like giving you three four or five months of training under a under a a practica setting Mm -hmm. um but a big vanderbilt university has a lot more staff and a lot more kind of power um and that that will help that too
3: what i loved was they they had you know the doctor teams that would do the surgery and all that that they also paired it with somebody like tom cleveland who understands the same thing you do and does that make sense and then he took that knowledge and trained the physical therapist had people under his wing so that actually when I was sent over there, only two people were allowed to touch me that understood and knew what I did for a living and could help me. And, um, I, Sandra, had been talking about you for years and I was like, eh, I'm like, it's on your head. What are you talking about, girl? And then when this happened, when my physical injury um, happened to me and it manifested itself all the way up my body is when I fell into this world. And I thought, she's a, she's right. I'm really sorry, Sandra. I love you. Forgive me. And, and B, um, why isn't anybody else talking about this? Because it made me think back over the years of other singers I've worked with who I knew were in trouble or ended up not singing anymore. And, and I thought if they had known this knowledge, maybe they would have still been singing. So, um, anyway, we're really glad to be able to talk to you today because we wanted to get this information out there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, and it's common. I've come into a, a session with a patient going, okay, I'm a pro opera singer, but I haven't sung in 15 years. They're like, oh, why? I lost all my range and I haven't been able to sing for 15 years. Like, no, no, you can't lose singing. It's in your brain. There, there's singing in your brain. So your, your instrument got rusty somehow. How did it change? What What happened 15 years ago? We go back psychologically. We go back to their life back then. And that's really part of the job is to sort of pull away from it's not a pathological issue it's not there's no disease there's no nodules there's no polyp there's no viral well what is it then
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's functional muscle it's behavioral
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: and and that woman would have said something like I I got divorced I went through a couple years of, of emotion
1: yeah
2: oh, okay do you have eight weeks um, can we fix it oh okay let's just fix it and we went through stretching exercises simple things that are chest voice based because she was trying to find her high head voice, but the joint wouldn't open up to give her her high head voice control back. So we had to go through the bottom of the register and get the movement of the joint at the cricoid back. And then her voice came back within eight weeks. It's- Isn't that brilliant. C's again, and at six, six instead of at 50. And, and that's it. It's like, go back home and enjoy.
0: A lot of the singers that, when they ask me, okay, who is Aaron Lowe and what does he do? And when I say, you know, he actually gets in there and he massages and he listens. I said, he's, you know, the voice guru. And singers notoriously say to me, wait, he touches your throat? (laughs) And I say, well, how else are you gonna get? I said, if you have a sore muscle in your arm, or in your back, you're gonna to go to a massage therapist. Why would you not go to a massage therapist for your voice? And, and a specialist that knows what he's doing. And some of these people just say, oh no, no one touches my throat. Mm. And it's just so weird. I don't, I can't comprehend that, but I always say just try it once. I
3: was, I was that person. I was like, you're not touching my neck. Do you know how much this thing costs? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and then, and then when I, I was actually even really nervous the first time the physical therapists got in there because I thought, do you really know what you're doing? I mean, are you going to hurt me permanently? And I, it took a little while for them, for me to understand, but they got in there. I mean, they did, and, and now they taught me these things so that like what you said, hurdles, if a hurdle kind of comes back in for whatever reason, emotional, whatever, mm-hmm. um, I know exactly what I can do on my own while I'm on the road because we also have to have those tools because we can't always have you you know right. traveling with us so
2: well and that's where we, we work on those first few sessions to try to figure out what's your repetitive negative like if you're coming back to a problem mm-hmm. what is that problem and how are you going right. to try to steer away from that if it's two months from now
1: right. um
2: because even if it's emotion we can drive away from emotion by using our power our happiness by by changing our emotion mm-hmm. um meditation and relaxation and and progressive relaxation techniques but a lot of what we're trained to do you know i wouldn't have taken either of you on in my first year it wouldn't have been an easy confidence thing i would have been going okay i'll do a little bit it would have been much more passive it would have been lighter because there is that fear of what if
1: mm-hmm. and
2: after you the 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 head professor at the mayo clinic the head professor at a big school in wisconsin uh, in madison she would say in one of her textbooks it takes a few years to master this and once you get that confidence, then the opera genre taught me what the passaggio means. Like, we don't get any of that terminology if you're trained in the late 90s. Wow. And you have to learn that outside of that. So you're coming back into learning. You're going, okay, I, I don't want to, to say I don't know, but I don't know. Um, yeah. So if you taught me something at that point, then it's, we even learned from the, 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 the weakness of a voice is maybe going to come into the, the the sound this way, so it'll sound breathy, and it might mean that your larynx is elevated, creating a large gap at the back. And so it's was like, oh well, let's take and we'll delete some of these things so that we can start to go in before we actually touch your neck. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're doing this exercise, which is elevating your larynx, or your breath is not allowing you to basically keep your your larynx in a neutral state.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So when we get it neutral, you have to have everything caught back up so that the body's caught up to the technique too
1: Um,
2: so there's been so much learning and I learn from every day um, and from all my students and patients because it it can be um, well a hidden stressor you know something very hidden uh, in their mind or in their technique and they didn't know they were doing something that could be tension negative like damaging to their tension
0: Right. I remember you, you, my my voice coach Tony Manoli. You came once to a, a coaching that we had, and you know was really hands on and feeling and listening and watching, and I mean that was invaluable because you could see the repetitive mm-hmm. mistakes that I was making, and instead of in eight sessions or ten sessions, you could boom right there pinpoint it and say, "This, Sandra, you're doing this wrong. Do you see why? Here's the mirror and." I mean, that's invaluable, and it, okay, us singers, we, we should probably know how to diagnose that, but we're too close to it.
2: Well, even that day when Tony's ears were hearing, yeah, his ears are so good, yeah. right? And my ears are dumb compared to his ears or your ears. No, no, and different. then they're different, but we had to adjust something mm-hmm. to create balance, and then the room filled with the right sound, and that's when i learned something that day it was like oh i get what you guys were hearing or absence of that is what you were wanting i just know balance symmetry there was something moving one side more than another i'll stop that muscle and relax it and then all of a sudden things filled out it's like oh okay yeah this might be leaning towards one weakness mm-hmm. then we just started and, to really- But you
0: took that time to to really to learn yeah. and to educate yourself and and I thank you for that and but so working with singers in general you work you've worked with I'm not going to name drop because you could but you've worked with a lot of superstars and traveled with them and touched their throats right as they right before they went on stage what do you find to be the biggest common problem with not just opera singers all singers that you encounter
2: I thought about this. You know, I thought about laryngeal elevation being common in opera, you know, over producing head voice in practice and just hours and hours of singing in head voice can lift and tighten the tongue root a bit. Um, but most singers in all genres don't warm up their speaking voice. Mm. And I always say, if you were a guitarist, you would never play your guitar without tuning it first.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You would never carry it around without a case. And you definitely wouldn't drag it behind you all damn day using it without (laughs) playing it. Right. Like using it as a hammer and using it as this and using it as that push the door open with it. Like no one would ever treat their guitar with that kind of common space, common mind. Mm -hmm. We wake up with these tiny little two and a half centimeter vocal cords and the, the small little tight muscles that are all set in elastic behavior behind them or in them. And there's this fancy inside of a watch that has to run perfectly. But we go and we battle with speech and talk to everybody on the planet and we don't just give it a nice little gentle warm up in the morning and let it kind of warm up for our speaking voice. And then resonance and ease of the speaking voice will come true. But a lot of singers, they rest their voice too much. They think rest will help. They (laughs) think speaking higher, I'll just speak up here and this will help me. No, it won't. Mm -hmm. It will not help you. Um, don't speak like a fairy princess. is isn't going to make your voice lighter or higher. No, it's 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 all that stuff is a lie. And I don't I don't care. It's it's not to hold back and not teach that, but we have to warm up the chest voice because that's where we talk. That's important. And yet I think it gets pushed away from importance because of certain genres. And if we just pick on rock as a, they don't do anything then. Rock musicians don't do anything. Um, typically, they kind of like, well, I wait for my fourth song and then my voice starts to feel better. Okay, can we do that? <laughs> you guys can't wait <laughs> till the fourth song for your <laughs> voice to come out. We're um, in trouble. <laughs> and yet, you might practice for four hours in head voice and then not return to the chest voice and do some trills or some sound in chest voice to return the muscles and the joints back to normal function. So, we can overdo the practice of one sound and then we got to kind of build back the balance that balance of laryngeal muscle Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's stretching if you're doing jaw tension or tongue tension we could just stretch before stretch after get up stretch your tongue go go into a tongue curl back exercise and just create space and just get blood flow and circulation but it's often we blame the voice and we just call it a voice like, what is it? Your tongue, your jaw, your your voice box? you squeeze a little bit? Do you have a uh, tight rib cage? Do you have tight hips? There's certain things that could really play a role in, in different
1: voices, depending.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. interesting. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, with all this time off that we've had because our jobs are, you know, non-existent at the moment, especially in the United States, um, let's say I, ha- I knew I had a gig that I was going to sing, I don't know, in November. So I have about three months and I've, I have not been singing, um, very much. So what would you recommend for those of us that need to get going again to start using it again safely?
2: The, the general rule is you're, you're going to warm up as you work the, the, the vocal cords skin, your, your skin on your cords makes sound. And then under the skin is muscles and a ligament system, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So we can think of the skin needing to be conditioned, but part of what I thought of in in sort of building up uh, uh, an artist again is, their skin is gonna be a little more sensitive because you haven't been using it. So Mm -hmm. we use the chest voice in that way to get the cords to seal, and that'll start to condition heat into the skin but you're conditioning the skin initially. So you're allowing your vocal cords to come together and close and stay closed, create a lot of heat, a lot of vibration. And that should be pushed, it should be extended long and and do it to a point where you can turn it up, turn it down with your breath and your body. If your body work is there, you're gonna be fine. If you need to work on core release and some abdominal release and stuff like that, that that's where, again, we work on core and body frame. But the first thing should be that we're going into trills for skin and warmth of the skin. And then we're stretching to a point where there's the true passaggio. So if you're stretching your voice, you're just doing a glissando. You're just going up sliding. We don't need to climb like that because it's typical that you're going to be assessing speed and accuracy of a vowel. Then right. That can drive you crazy. Right? Yeah. It can make you go into, I'm not there. So if you're just making sound on slide, there's no specific pitch. There's no exact vowel. You're working the register by working the flexibility of the voice and the joint, the cricoid, and then the vocal cords can come back into contraction and elongation. We're not even in a re- resonance system yet, though, right? Yeah. We're not yet seeing our rebalance and sinus yeah. and feeling palate and expansion and, and the rest, right? So then you can go into your vowels with your resonance and your M's or your V's or all the sounds that connect with your singing teachers, and that's when your voice is ready. Now you've got to work on your breath. You don't work on speed yet. You work on vowel accuracy, resonance, and breath work. So you're working on dynamic control, pianissimo to forte. You're creating a, a big, meaty middle of your voice. Mm-hmm. And then you can start looking for the ornamental top. Once the cords are really hot, skin's really loose, the muscles are really relaxed and elastic, mm-hmm. now you can start to use the speed of your brain, and your voice will respond to it. minute you go I want speed for my brain to to come out of my voice but my voice hasn't had the exercise and the stretch and the the ready then you're gonna be upset with the product a lot of the times once you come back and your voice feels dead on with your exercises and your vocal ease you can sing and now it's just conditioning the singing which you guys condition outside of most right you guys sing um, really complex for three and a half hours like that's That's a, a dedication. So your dedication steps up from most. The rest of the, the artist groups, I just say, start singing your good songs, the songs that you're good at.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Sing them well, because you've already set a brain and a memory to these songs. Mm-hmm. And you can identify mistakes in them. I wouldn't want you saying, okay, I've got a new piece I'm gonna perform in November, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna start practicing right away. Right. Work on a piece of music that your body already has mastered.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: in that, you're gonna find the technique naturally, And so it is, it is sort of like source what your body knows, you're going to feel good about it too, you get a, you know, an an emotional connection to it. And then that should find you as you come back into uh, training for a new piece.
3: Would you say that if I was a singer listening to this, I would want to know, well, what does that mean? Like, does that mean that I can uh get back to that piece within that first day of singing or should i for a week just kind of be warming up the skin as you say and warming up the muscles so it's kind of little by little until you finally feel ready to move into maybe more resonance or maybe the song or whatever is that am i right in that
2: yeah because a training camp no one gets to throw a football no, <laughs> no one shoots a pocket of goalie like your, <laughs> training, your legs your your ankles your wrists your arms
1: you're yeah. treating
2: the body so that they don't go into an energy that is either stiff and then you can't do anything. Right. Or you just get sad. You you shoot the puck and it doesn't go anywhere. Like that's going to be a sad day. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to push you over the limits and get into emotional negative. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes singers are just like, but I can sing. Well, no, you're thinking of when you're 18, like you could sing. Well, now it's much more technical. It's got a, a, a job attached to it. And I don't want it to be that there's this trust that I should just be able to. It's, it's highly fitness based. It's, it's trained in. And so as you train, you're still improving your voice. You're still improving the length of your sound, Mm -hmm. right? So you're going over the 22nd mark on one sound, Mm -hmm. you know, your skin's light, you know, your breath is down in the right spot, you know, you're on then. But if you say, well, I only got a 12 second phonation time. Oh wait, no, no, no! You got to extend that. You got to go longer because even your phrasing wouldn't fit in twelve seconds. So now you can't go, right? right. So there's certain okay. bars they measure up. Yeah,
0: that's what I feel like right now. I'm having issues with. I've I've started back singing. Uh, yeah. Carrie and I both just struggled during COVID. We just we couldn't. But uh, stamina now is the one that I feel like I'm still dealing with, and I've been exercising. We both have been exercising during this, and I think that that did help stamina. How important do you think exercise yeah. is for, for singers, opera singers, any singers, and weightlifting too, I mean.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with exercising muscles because they'll respond faster to what you're asking them to do, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the back, lower back, the obliques, your abdominals, your pelvic floor, your hips, and the way they rotate at the sacrum. Mm-hmm. If we look at a bicep and say, I'm going to do arm curls for five days okay, well, that's fine. You'll have a pretty arm. But beyond that, it's not that type of exercise that I look for. If you're doing squats or some sort of weightlifting, I want you exhaling so that you're blowing out to create core support and you're not holding laryngeally. That's typically the weakness in in exercise. Even if it's sit-ups, they're like, (laughs) and that's your larynx. So if it's a slower sit-up and it's like, you're not engaging your larynx. So the weakness would be that you're holding your core super tight because you want to pretend you're thin, like tucking your tummy all the time. It's expand and expand the belly wall and breathe into the walls and make them expand out afterwards. We typically source that in meditation and laughter and, Mm -hmm. and, and the ease of the body and the brain. So I'm not, I'm not body image negative. So I'm not holding tight, therefore, I'm not going to be shallow and my chest isn't going to be in, in my breathing as a speaker or as someone that's just a bit more psychologically impacted by my, my mid-body. Okay. So we do look at ballerinas and say they're terrible breathers, right?
0: They are. They breathe very shallow, don't they?
2: But they're not allowed to let go of their core, ever.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. So. Well, I know. No, it's interesting. Thank you.
3: Yep. Well. Are there any uh, vocal warmups that you find work for everyone or is everyone really a specific thing?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think the the exercise that probably gets the everyone bin is lip trilling, right? If we we pull on lip trilling in choir work or in pediatric choral and stuff like that when young children are brought in, it, it is that some people can't, and roll an R to do a tongue trill or that today is straw phonation. So what we call semi-occluded vocal tract exercise where you'd push air through a straw and hum and blow at the same time to create voice warm up. That's very, it's very remedial for someone like you or, or both of you, but it works. It's simple. It's in your car. It's there. And you're, you're, you're muted. Some of you are very loud. So it can be that you want, no, not you, sorry but there's that. <laughs> <laughs> that, there's that, loud, that
0: loud. Come on,
2: <laughs> but there's a, there's a value to a straw phonation exercise in, in an, in an apartment building or in, in a space where you want to be a little quieter, but you have to know what you're supposed to be doing too. You have to not, not well, or you have to trust what you're in as far as the chest register versus the head register. And you have to know because the straw is muting or the water is muting the sound. When we do a lip trill, we could do it wrong in creating a, a lot of airy release. So it'd be like a. They start in head voice and there's a lot of air in that. I always have to lift up a bit to cheat, right? And if that's my falsetto. This is all my breath body doing it.
0: Yeah, but you can hear the partials in it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and the voice is just just vibrating to get heat. There's a little bit of motion in the the joints that are rocking, but I'm not taking my voice up to a higher note now. So it's just (laughs) starting to get blood circulating, get my breath underneath it and get the skin to warm up. So that's usually the one exercise that I push is a really forward lip trill. If you have to lift a little bit to get your lips and your jaw to relax, it would be to and wiggle the jaw to try to make sure your breath is on.
0: So this is always relaxed.
2: Yeah. Even in your trill, if you push up here, you should be able to wiggle your jaw as you trill. Like a... So the jaw can do something else.
3: Yeah, Nobody ever tells you that. I I stopped doing lip trills years ago because it caused too much tension for me. But I never thought about like, oh, well, actually, when you do the lip trills, you're not supposed to have... The tension, nobody ever talked about that. So it was never, like if you had said that to me now, it would have been like, nope, not happening. You know, because
0: I, I know me. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you hold it, it, which is what I have to do too with lip trails, I have to hold it and I actually have to.
1: Yeah, I always pick up there.
2: the cheek a bit. Like just yeah. here on the jaw, pick like I'm way past my beard, but I'm pick up the cheeks. here, And then the cheeks and the jaw and the tongue can just go, Boom. I'm out.
0: Right? Well, yeah. so that that that's the what I always ta- say to singers is that this part this jaw I always feel is down and back relaxed down and back naturally yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. All right then you can then you can get over it but if you're here mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can't get over
2: it you can also shape a vowel in your trill like
0: <laughs> isn't that cool
2: By just making the tongue go up and down, thinking Mm -hmm. those vowels, right, create a little tongue release by doing that, and Mm -hmm. as you're climbing, get really distracted. It's like one of these things where you're just like, get out of it. You're not doing anything. You don't need to be hitting high notes yet, and as that jaw wiggles and the tongue moves, your breath has to be on or your lips will stop. I've always used the lips as this. Your breathing stops, and they're like, no, my lips stop. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the breath making the move, though, so you're (laughs) And if not, it's your larynx contracted and shut the airstream off at the larynx. So it's like, okay, you just choked out the airstream that way too. It's let's change the exercise, let's come back down the ladder a little bit and wait. So, but lip trill can become very complex, right? Um, oh, yeah. without it, without it being just a general grouping of okay, 70 or 80 people on a on a choirizer being told to lip trill. And typically it's all head down. That's training a a head voice i I want to rehab a voice. i don't want to train a head voice. I mm-hmm. want to rehab the muscles, release the larynx, create create a, a space in the back of the the pharynx so that we have the, the sound flooding out but um, uh, other than that I, I i do look at just tongue wear out exercises. If we got specific, it would be most opera singers have tongue tension, yes. that would be a big fight. <laughs>
0: Yeah, big fight.
2: <laughs> Never. Never, ever. Mm. No, no. <laughs> men's tension, men's, men's tongues, men and women's tongues, they're like, they they don't know it's stiff because it could be from clenching or grinding. It could be from their speaking technique. It could be, I don't, a million things. But when we look at it, it's let's, let's do blood flow exercises and let's try and get it out of the way of even the sound stream.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, okay, fifty-one-year-old woman here. <laughs> I'm going there. <laughs> Talk to us about menopause and how it affects the voice, or does it?
2: You know, I I, I did do a lot of you know research, maybe five, 10, 7 years ago on this. Um, I couldn't find anything really that's that's acute. So nothing happens quickly. You you would see a studious singer as someone completely different than the average woman going through menopause, where they don't care about their voice necessarily. And some average uh, uh, females will, they'll, they'll contract in their cricoid because of emotion and emotional changes. And even the, 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 the hormonal changes will fluctuate emotion just typically uh, in, in a woman's cycle. But does it contract their voice? Does it bring tension into the voice over time? And what I'd see maybe connects to menopause in, in women's voices in general is a, a tickle cough or a throat clearing habit where their cricoid stiffens and they get a little throat clear habit. Like, <clears> throat> they get this little dry cough factor. Tension dynamics in that are caused by the cricoid and that joint at the bottom of the larynx. That's mm-hmm. where we cough. So stiffness in that area, I feel, introduces spastic nature to that area. And that becomes a protective cough. It's not protecting anything. It's just supporting the emotional body. So we push out of it by making the chest voice work higher. And if we say we'll stop pushing our voice, I don't want to push my voice up high. I don't want to belt anything. I don't want to push my voice and exercise. Most people wouldn't exercise their voice anyways. And then they just, over time, three or four years, their voice... Uh, uh, starts to stiffen up a little bit, um, usually due to emotional changes. Um, the mucosal changes, and we sweat more, and in, in, a, in a hot flashes, and and women go through all these things that change their 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 release of water sometimes. But not in an opera singer. No, no, you guys are over. You guys overdo water. You guys overdo it most of the time, and you're the best at it, right? Your vocal cords. If you guys get a little bit of dehydration, you know it. If if uh, you know if if at the end of a rock tour they're dehydrated like crazy they 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 wouldn't take care of it up until maybe some of the artists today really studying it a bit more but i don't see a, an opera singer at a high level losing hydration because they are hyper focused on it they warm up their voice um and i think the other population that don't sing don't hyper focus on hydration and don't warm up their voice so they become more susceptible to slight dehydration and tightness in the ct joint
0: okay
1: Mm-hmm.
3: but how do you but we i feel like in that conversation we have to talk about hormones because okay. hormones for women i mean even in from you know the minute we start our cycle till pre-menopause to post-menopause i mean that's a huge shift so mm-hmm. and i i know for myself that hormones affect my vocal folds whether they're thick or whatever i mean on a monthly basis because yeah. i just know over so many years of singing on them so What what are your thoughts on that, on on the hormonal level, hormonal level?
2: Well, we know that the vocal cords during menstruation will swell a little bit. They they get a little thicker. So for a dramatic voice, it's like, whoa, it's easier. If it were a lyric voice, it's like, whoa, where's my high C? Where's the spin on that high note? My voice is heavier. It's like a mezzo all of a sudden, and it's just for two days. So that whole, I think the changes monthly as you go through those, what do they used to call it a dark day for a soprano? They wouldn't have let the high soprano sing on her menstrual days oh, yeah. uh, back in the, the, like hundreds of years ago, they just kind of said, no, I'm not doing it. And they just called it a day off. You guys all sing through it. You'll manipulate your cycle. You'll manipulate things that m- make your body stay consistent. Right. And yes, hormonally or emotionally, you just fight, you fight through it. You, you'll fight with, with, uh, yourself. And and get through it because you are performers, you're tough athletes. Um, and when we look at that, it's just uh, the the voice swells and the veins appear a little bit more in the surface of the vessels. So that can also change a little bit of the tone of the voice or the timbre of the voice. So we look at it as your your vascularity is it at risk during menstrual or in menopausal years? Are there any veins very apparent? And if there are, we, we bring in surgeons, we try to say, we'll watch them. But beyond that, it's just the swelling and shrinking and swelling and shrinking that comes with your hormone changes and your changes in, in, in through menstrual cycle.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know if there's, I don't think there's any permanent swelling or changes that are permanent after, um, after menstruation is finished. Like that's when you're at that point going back to normal. And there's just a slower phase that usually is seen as atrophying right? Because they stop using the voice the same way. Okay. So, but hormonally you're more connecting to, are you ready to sing? And you feel like you can make your voice jump out even if you feel like not singing that that becomes you and your singing teachers. I, think. Mm-hmm.
3: I just thought that there was some kind of, at least in talking with older singers and their concerns, because the loss of estrogen causes huge issues for our bodies in general. I mean, just, uh, on multiple different levels, which we do not have to talk about on this video. But yes. uh, <laughs> but just the loss of estrogen causes so many problems that I can't imagine that it doesn't affect that part of us too, especially as professional opera singers. There has, there, I mean, the, the biggest complaint is that most singers, mezzos or sopranos lose their top. And that all to me, I mean, thickness of chords and trying to, you know, the chords thin out as you go to the top notes. So if everything's so over, Thickened, then that can just lead to all kinds of issues. Whether it's mental, whether it's—I mean—learning how to maneuver through that. Technically, I don't know. I don't know if you can. I mean, we can totally disagree about that. But I just—I um, feel like there's something there with estrogen that causes a problem. And
2: there's there's elastics. There's tissue that create an elastic bounce. So we do lose that as we age. Our skin gets less elastic and and that's skin. That's the skin on the cords. Mm -hmm. So say if we care for our hydration and we keep up with our elastic exercise, then that should keep you in shape without going to a warble or some aged voice. That's basically the the dryness has hit an 85 year old woman and no return, right? There's no coming back to 40. Right. And we can't, we can't plump, we can plump up a vocal cord, we can fill it full of gel Mm
1: -hmm. and make
2: that voice return to a better sound or a a, a slightly less old sound, which typically is a a vocal cord wasting away. Like Mm -hmm. the muscles are getting smaller and the skin is getting a little bit more tight and shriveled up a little bit, like, like our skin on our face um, Mm -hmm. or, or like a, a body that's getting a little shorter. Right. Um, but I bet you could name a few that have sung into their 80s, 70s, at least with elastic behavior. Sure. Because they keep training. Yeah. The training is it. If you do trills and scales and do all your training every day, then you haven't taken 10 years off to atrophy. And then you try to sing again after 10 years? No, it's not going to be the same sport. It's not the same thing. And I also think that there's accommodations if you are uh, uh, over 65 saying, I'm not going to do this much. I'm not going to do that as much. You have to do more,
1: mm-hmm. right? A
2: 35 year old hockey player has to do more exercise to stay in the game yeah. than the 22 year old. Right. And as you train more, as you keep understanding, okay, I done, I've done, i done these exercises in my morning or in my midday, and then I'm going to do these things, which should be exact,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I'm going to put it down and I'm going to train a little bit tomorrow. And I'm going to keep adding those little training pieces yeah. so that my voice can come back to strong. Right. Um, we use respiratory strength trainers for people with things like Parkinson's or degenerative diseases where we just train their breathing with a blowing tool. You guys could do that through your trilling, through your exercise, and then that exercise creates breath support as well.
0: Is that the straw? Um,
2: the straw, and, and any of exercises that make you make sound, you're blowing
0: air.
1: Yep.
2: So, but most people in their 80s stop talking. They stop communicating with even family and friends because there's less communication. It's, it's, yeah. we, we just talk less. So that's where it's really an atrophy slide. Um, past in the '80s and past. but most of us, the '70s are like the '60s now. We're 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 still pushing it and um, still trying to keep everybody in shape, fitness wise.
0: Right. Um, which
2: I think is going to elongate a career.
0: Yeah, I feel that. You know, I mean, you and I, Aaron, we've talked about it, and Carrie and I as well. I mean, I'm 51 now. The only thing that I've noticed, being now postmenopausal, is that it takes just a little longer to warm up. Mm-hmm. And I have more of an upper extension. My voice didn't go lower. It went higher. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I know, Carrie. You're know. a freak of nature sound, right? But Dolores Logic apparently had the same thing. So I don't know. Um, if that's the worst of it, I'll take it.
2: Yeah. You know? No, and it's your training still. So mm-hmm. it's. It's the the training. Say you say you speak more. You guys have all been speaking more over the last three months than singing. Sure. So the speaking voice is going to tighten in the middle of your voice box, and it's going to cha- it's going to challenge your overtones in the voice. It's going to take away space that that started to be uh, the the product of your overtone is in the I believe it's in the larynx in the vestibule.
1: Yeah. So
2: say speech makes that vestibule sh- shorter, smaller, or mm-hmm. compressed then you go to sing and it's your speaking voice that took your singing voice and changed it a little bit. So we release that and push your singing voice back in because the speech took it out. The speech made it problematic. Um, or uh, one genre that you're singing in, one, one song and one piece is really uh, more head voice dominant. And then there's some you know trick around the passaggio that you have to kind of climb through. So that one exercise could help that, but you haven't done it for the last six months because you've been channeling this exercise for this song or this work. So it is that there's certain things we're kind of picking from at times going, okay, you got to stop doing that and do this more now because you're not doing that anymore. Right. And if it is that it's just like we got to start massaging our own jaw and stretching our neck and working the collar a little bit because for me, I started to notice, okay, if I sleep, I pull the shoulder in yeah. and I sleep like this. Uh, yeah. and. Yeah. You know, this is now in my 40s going, okay, shoulder, go away. And Good, back. Mm-hmm. But that's me being a bit stiffer in my upper body. I wouldn't have felt that in my early 30s.
1: Well,
3: talking about that kind of tension that can creep up in there, do you think that tight tension in the neck can affect your high notes?
2: Mm-hmm. It tilts the larynx in or down, right? It can Tension in the neck can basically pull back on your larynx like this, Mm -hmm. the minute you get some little pull like that, you can't control your voice at all. But it's in different spots that that little muscle is gonna pull. Um, There's a group of muscles called the pharyngeal constrictors and they grip the larynx, they grab around the body and they make up the throat and grip on. And sometimes they're just just at this grip instead of relaxed open. And so the, the voice box is supposed to be moved forward to get that to release.
3: Do you think that if someone, I'm just curious, if they sing that way for a long period of time, is that something that can never be undone once you have constricted so much mm-hmm. and eventually, let's say the high notes kind of get lower and lower or that C gets harder and harder and harder? Is that something that is, could be a permanent thing? No, no, no. It's always fixable.
2: Always fixable unless it's paretic or paralysis-based. Okay. The nerve runs, right? So, so it's more like it's just like we all hold a bit of trapezius tension.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: right so w- why because we're we're looking forward all the time we're on a phone all day we, we look down all day um and we want to be able to pull everything back and create a balanced neck and, and keep the head back which is strengthening the rhomboids between your shoulder blades and some of the mid back mm-hmm. a lot of us work the front of our body we work the abs we don't work our back as much um when you're in a plank you're working your back if you're doing some sort of like a, a postural correction you're you're kind of overdoing it but it's going to come still with less tension in your neck
1: mm-hmm.
2: i see it as if someone had a long-term tension point in their body that isn't posturally negative like they're not just turned and crippled by that mm-hmm. there's there's change that we can do that usually is correlated to a sickness or a stress event in their past it could be 20 years ago though and if they come into me and say i sang like this at 25 and i'm now 45 mm-hmm. like, okay it'll mm-hmm. come back It's just, we just got to get that to release. Usually it comes back pretty quickly. It's, it's quite, it's rewarding therapy for that reason, because it's not like we have to change your whole life and put braces on for the next 10 years. Right. Um, we, we basically release it and say, direct your voice or your focus of your voice to this. And a lot of people like, oh my gosh, my voice is back. And if we get that statement, I'm like, you know, your voice, right? Yeah. It's back there. I'm like, okay, good. That's it. Very common.
0: Do you have any massage techniques or therapies that you could recommend to all of us that are here at home that can't get in to see you, or
2: mm-hmm.
0: and can you demonstrate them?
2: Yeah, yeah. When when we, I've been working on things that I'll start to to, I, I guess produce more of, which is how to self release. Your 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 my my techniques have developed over 22 years to say maybe I've got to make this simpler. Because if I say, okay, release your inferior pharyngeal constrictor muscle, you'd be like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Hi. <laughs> Some of us might, but.
2: Then there's, the, then there's people that won't actually feel confident enough to touch their own neck. Where mm-hmm. they're like, I'm not touching it. I don't want to touch it. Those people come to a therapist. You'll, you'll find somebody if you keep asking, you know, like find the voice group in your city and then find what they, they direct you to. I like to do a twist. So when you grab your larynx on the sides, can you push it a little bit to the left? You gotta move my beard of the way. Push it
1: a little bit left, and then hook behind it with a finger. It shouldn't be sore. Mm -mm.
2: You should be able to get behind there, right? And I'm talking while I'm doing this. Yeah. That's the inferior pharyngeal constrictor muscle, and you need that muscle to activate to sing in head. You, you need that to sing. Okay. And then I, I can switch hands or I can just do this with this finger and then I go with this hand over here, my thumb.
1: Okay. But I'm,
2: I'm behind my voice box, up and down like this behind my voice box
0: mm-hmm.
2: because it's supposed to be leaning forward.
0: Everybody with their hand
2: on their throat can't sing. If we bring it forward, It's like, oh, it's just,
0: it's supposed to tilt forward and down a little bit too, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And yet most of us that have this, we see the eyes go up and the jaw tightens and then the tongue lifts and then the voice pulls. We want to see if we can actually yank it forward. I call it the twist. I don't want it to be that you're pulling as much as you're just twisting it like that. And so I'm taking the larynx and pulling and twisting, but I'm just twisting it on its axis and we can yawn. My mouth let go there and I'm yawning.
0: Oh, That's great. I know.
2: Uh-oh.
0: Sorry. All yawning. <laughs> Cover that's your great. mouth, Carrie. <laughs> that's great, Aaron. Thank you.
2: You'd be surprised how many people would jump like, oh, that hurts. So really? Then we like, okay, calm down. Now you also have a carotid artery right there. So if you were doing one side at a time, you have an artery feeding your brain. If you're trying to do both sides at the same time. <laughs> you're a hot mess. Yeah, yeah, you're going to knock yourself out.
0: Done.
2: Don't, don't push on both parodads. But ahead. you're in that space where the voice is just telling you, can you come in? Come in on the back side, come in on the side, side wall and get in there. And then pull a little bit or twist a little bit and see if it's got some buoyancy. Because then you come out and your speaking voice may have a bit more resonance.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and it may connect to, you know, just the overall tone of your singing voice, the, the, the transitions and sound.
3: Thank you. Right. They taught me that.
2: And,
3: yeah, they taught that to me in physical therapy, which was cool. Um, and, but I remember when they first started working with yeah. me, they were like, let me know if you get a little dizzy or a little lightheaded, you know, because they're learning my anatomy too while they're getting in there. And so they need to know if they're, you know, hitting the carotid arm. <laughs> I know they know where that is, but you know what I mean? They just need to make sure I'm okay, so.
2: Well, and, and I've had therapists try to train under me and they are just like, oh, I'm starting to feel nauseous, just feeling her pulse oh yeah get out you're done hi <laughs> um, part, part of that is is they're just not trained always medically right right if, if we have to do surgeries and we have to stick a camera in someone's nose or you you know you have to look at ugly tonsils or something this is what i love doing um most speech pathologists want to work with a six-year-old that can't do an s prop properly mm-hmm. Or that there's other areas like specialties in, in the autism spectrum or in stuttering. Or there's so many hats in speech pathology. And maybe one out of a thousand of us are voice therapists. Maybe one out of ten, you know. Wow. And and so the the the, the Americans are advanced too. They're, they've got singing voice specialists now with sort of the advanced. They get to call themselves in advanced ways so that singers know to go to them.
1: Okay.
0: Much,
2: more, much more different up here. Just speech paths up here.
0: Thank you. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So do you think then we were talking, you basically are massage as well. Do you think full body massage is also very important for singers? Body work, all of
2: that. Yes, because it's the hips that connect to the alignment of the breath. Okay. And we all have, I have tight calves from my early days, or I have a hip flexor that again, is part of my sleep weakness. Mm -hmm. um i drive to work and i use my right hip quite a bit because i'm constantly ah, like avoiding getting hit so there's all those variables of how i hold my right leg more than i hold my left leg because of driving um you guys in in your worlds might sleep wrong or sleep right you might stand wrong or stand right so then your body work will constantly tell on you
1: Mm -hmm.
2: um and massage therapists are great you know they'll work out things where your your rib cage down through your diaphragm your obliques all these muscles could be worked on to let go of your mid lower back Mm -hmm. that will help the breath expand because you can push down further and make your, your viscera go down further. The same with the hips, just being more open. A lot of physios are now doing uh, pelvic floor work. Okay. So that's another one with uh, certain types of PTSD cases and certain types of trauma. They would do uh, pelvic floor work and, and do a lot of work in there that helps the the diaphragm relax because we consider it to be a thoracic and a pelvic diaphragm. The, the two diaphragms. That's cool. Yeah, there's
1: really, cool. really
2: cool work with hips, and and that's all even historic through Chinese medicine. They would say the hips affect the voice.
0: I would agree with them. Yeah, one hundred percent, especially for me. Yes.
3: Do you think that you can heal? Um, a vocal cord injury through massage and speech therapy, or do you always recommend surgery, or is it a combo of both, or one or the other?
2: I've I've healed vocal cords like polyps on vocal cords or a polyp on a vocal cord, which typically when I look at the vocal cords and there's a tiny polyp, it's gotta be accessible to therapy. The therapy has to be able to attack it. Um, For example, a polyp won't disappear. If we rest our voice, it won't go anywhere. It's gonna sit right there and it ain't moving. It ain't getting bigger, but it isn't getting any smaller either. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the therapy that I always recommend is just creating heat and stretching. So it's like start with a minimal amount of stretching just to get them used to it because their voice is so raspy because of this interruption to the wave. But as about six to eight weeks pass, there's usually changes some therapy i say let's just try therapy with no support from surgical or or from medicine Mm -hmm. um new science would be that we take a polyp and we go in through a a scope and we inject a little bit of steroid into it and then even with patients that don't do therapy they would say let's wait eight weeks and maybe it disappears just because the direct hit from the steroid
1: Mm
2: -hmm. i'm always complimenting dr osborne's injections So they've got to do their exercises and accept the dexamethasone injection. And then we look in eight weeks and see if it's gone. Um a polyp that is riding on the surface. So if my edges are here and and the polyp could be my thumb, right?
1: Right. That
2: would be a very fixable polyp if it wasn't massive.
1: Okay. Massive
2: polyp I'm not taking on therapeutically ever. Okay. It's we need the best surgeon to fix your vocal cords and we need someone that does this every day. We don't want just some general ENT surgeon. So we need then a phono surgeon, we need a laryngeal surgeon. And they will do a very finite, very microscopic removal of that polyp so that you don't end up with scar tissue. Okay. And the scar tissue can be just from old school techniques. But I'm always supportive of if that person was surgically fixed with no therapy, mm-hmm. they're at like a forty percent chance of getting a polyp back again. Because they don't know why it came and they didn't know what to do when it, like, like how do you manage your voice then? You're not managing it well enough. Right. And it could be just one scream or one yell or one cough, but it may be that their vessels are surfacing. It may be, we, we say, don't take Advil, don't take a leave. These things make your vessels surface in your vocal cords that increase the risk of hemorrhage mm-hmm. or they increase the risk of Apollo. So it's partly, if it's too big, if it's not in the right spot, there's no point in trying therapy. Mm-hmm. It would never work if it was um, approachable. They're educated. They're willing to do the therapy. That's mm-hmm. that's also there, right? Some people say, "I'm not doing your stupid exercises. Send me to a surgeon."
0: Okay,
1: that's fine right. me. Um, I also, actually,
0: I got a sympathetic bump on the other side because mm-hmm. the one kept on. If the if the polyp was here and it kept on hitting the other vocal cord, mm-hmm. then then you also risk having not just one, but woohoo, bonus second one.
2: (laughs) And with that, we have to remove the one and the other one will fade away.
0: And that's what happened with me. We
2: we don't want to remove both of them then, which can often be misdiagnosed as nodules then because we see two bumps in a mirrored space. But we have to understand that in slow motion replay, you can see the insides of these things. You can see them rotate in the vocal cord skin. And then we can identify if it's gelatinous polyp or a hemorrhagic polyp. And then there's a complementary lesion on the other side that's just reactive. Right. Reactive
0: and singers, if, if they are having, and I, and I want to say this, and we all say this, because I get asked a lot because I've been very vocal <laughs> about my <laughs> vocal injury. But you are, I, I think that if you do have any questions, singers out there, uh, about your vocal cords, go to a professional, go to an ENT, have them scope you, have them diagnose it properly and then ask them what are my options and you know what i always say start slowly with with vocal therapy and then if that doesn't work then look at other ways that we can treat this but you know don't don't let this go too long because the longer you let it go the worse it's going to get yeah. and you know there was such a stigma before attached to vocal injuries vocal surgery and all of that and i think nowadays it, that stigma has been released and people are, are freer and more talking about it. And I think that it's important that we talk about it here. There, there should be no stigma because it's about vocal health.
2: Well, and I, I want my singers to see their own vocal cords. Mm-hmm. You can't go to a doctor and say, well, he said I had swelling. Oh, mm-hmm. and he told me to take this. And then I went back. He said it was still swollen you have to have a reason to have swelling, you have to cause swelling. Mm-hmm. And so when we look for that, we go, okay, well, let's take a photo and you can be your own doctor, you can see swelling in comparison to a, a, a picture in a textbook. Um, mm-hmm. If there's no swelling, that's, that's the real trigger of its tension, its its technique and its muscles. It's not your vocal cords, we can't blame those anymore. Yeah, But we often do we blame them. And that's it. The, the doctor team wants to blame them too. But they won't go to a surgeon because there's nothing really there, right? Mm-hmm. And if you take prednisone too much, there's other issues. If you take if you take antibiotics unnecessarily, it's like, well, here you're you're sick. I'm not sick. Uh, something's wrong with my voice. It's I'm not I know sick, but I don't know what's wrong with my voice.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Then we look at the voice, look at it under slow motion. There's strobe units in every city, everywhere. And once you see a strobe uh, therapist or someone uh, an, an ear, nose, and throat doctor that has stroboscopy, ask for your video yes have, take your video with you take Not just a photos, take video. A, yeah take a camera and go and if they won't let you steal it from the hospital put your camera up and and have it recorded so that you could show someone else because there is a lot of help you guys help so many other singers um by by word of mouth by talking about problems that are real yeah and sure. for many years decades and decades You you can see a hockey player limp into the dressing room and everyone wants to take care of them. You don't get taken care of if you have a a voice weakness. It's like, oh, something's wrong. Exactly,
0: bad technique. Oh, she doesn't sing well. It's like carrying
2: your stuff if you're an artist with a limp. Right? right? They'll carry you in the room. But, oh, your voice? Oh, yeah, go away. You know, like, stop talking. Drink some water. You're fine. (laughs) None of that will work. No. No when we look at, okay, something's wrong or something's feeling wrong, it may be, I, I did it today. I took the, a, a woman into my strobe room and said, there's nothing wrong. And she's like, oh, now we made progress. Yeah. Just take yeah. it off her mind. And yeah. she thought she had cancer at 21. I'm like, can't have voice cancer. At so to
0: <laughs> what would you say best advice to give to singers? As a, as a vocal specialist?
2: It goes back to think of your voice as your instrument. You'd polish your sax. You don't let anyone pound on your piano. You've got to warm this instrument up. If you're going to go out and party, do a warm-up. It's fine. Your personality is part of your show, but you get to go out and party. Do a speech warm-up, a voice warm-up, speak in the, the resonating space. Train your voice every day in the speaking zone to keep it away from stress, tension, speech tension. Um, breath shallowness and and weakness in breath that just comes with us in an environment that we feel a little bit uh not not our our best at right you guys walk on stage that's your environment it's awesome um it it can be that you feel stressed just because you're walking into a room Uh, i don't know it's the door into a room but your breath will go shallow and your voice will stiffen a bit you've got to prepare for that room you had to do a warm-up before you went to that space and that'll keep you away from some of the things that we don't know are coming. They come over years or they come over even weeks of time. Mm-hmm. Even at the end of singing, the cool down becomes the most important for an elite artist like both of you, where you'd say, well, I've sung, drop it. And then you walk and go. No, you got to do some resonance. Find your resonance. Do some light chest voice from, from an F or a G below middle C to a G above middle c just sort of rotate in that area just get the voice back to closure our head voice we produce no closure and so there's this held voice it's tiptoeing a bit it's it's in that state for a long period give it back that closure so that the voice feels comfortable again and your speech just floats out of you not this i'm speaking on my core i have to rest and all the rest theory is just terrible but don't rest no, I i've say. never
0: done warm down until last year Yeah in my whole career. I know, Carrie, can you Really? That? I never did it, no. no. No one ever taught it to me. Erin. It was, it was such a thing with me that I, it, I got such a habit that I
3: sometimes would forget I was doing it, like walking home from a show, you know, especially you're in cities, you just walk everywhere, and I'd be doing it and people would look at me like, what the hell is happening <laughs> over there? Because I'd be doing it on my way home because I didn't want to, by the time I got home, I really didn't want to think about singing or do any more singing or whatever. So it just became a part of the, even after like one of the after parties or whatever, after the party, after you talked, I always had to be careful how, where I placed the speaking so that if I knew I was singing within a 48 hour period again for three hours, that that speaking in those parties was something that was done in the correct way. Um, But after that, I was always warming down, leaving whatever, walking anywhere. Yeah, yeah. That nutter.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, we'd stretch our leg if it felt stiff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We just don't connect stiffness to voice. We think of it as just a sound negative, and then we blame vocal cords. Yeah. But I do want to look at it as its stiffness of, of, of the tongue root or its stiffness of my side neck, mm-hmm. encroaching then or pushing the voice box into a state of pull or tight. Right. Like, okay, well, you're, you're, you can just basically get blood circulating. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as the blood circulates, things settle down. You wake up the next day, you do again the same exercises that were basically your cool down and you're like, okay, I'm back in voice again. I'll pull my voice out of my hat here in the afternoon.
1: Yeah.
2: So we just want to wake up in the morning, get the voice up. You're going to communicate as your own business managers and your own team. You guys have to do all the the big talking Mm
1: -hmm. on top
2: of it. And a rock star different. Sometimes a rock star is a little different where they could sit in a bus and be quiet all day. Uh, you know, warm up comes at seven thirty to ten, and and then they sing for an hour, maybe mm-hmm. an hour and a half.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it, you know, we can start it all again tomorrow at seven o'clock at night. Um, you guys have a little different career; it, it expects more and expects longer. So there's a little bit more needs as you go go through cleanup all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's the different uh, techniques. Do you think between an opera singer and, in your opinion, a pop singer? I know that you talk about the chest resonance we you we have talked about that with pop singers it's more based here yeah
2: yeah the 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 pop singers just they don't ever go up into their head voice as much usually Mm -hmm. um so their tongue root and their jaw won't maybe create as much tension to just support that sound for long periods of time Mm -hmm. um but they do end up usually more they're they're not as good at glottal attack patterns and being aware of when they're attacking their voice with certain lyrics and certain phrases that they're singing
0: mm-hmm. um
2: or their speech isn't really important at all okay you guys get taught speech is important at some level um in your training it's more about like the cool guy and the the rasp and the voice and the even females today are being seen in glottal fry all the time their voices right. drop in so I was like oh my god it
0: drives me crazy <laughs> Like, yeah, hey, watching no. television.
2: Yeah, You can't get out of that problem. It's a problem then. You're going to be speaking. It would be like saying, I want to walk on the outside of my feet forever. Why? Why would you do that?
0: It's a generational thing. It. it I, I see kids, a lot of women this age, and I don't know where it started or how it started or why it started, why it started but, oh, and I just
2: say... We call it the Kardashian effect.
0: Well, I wasn't going to say that, but okay, there was Bam. It just it is right on the cords, and ten years from now, they are so going to regret that.
2: Yeah, and I even hear it. It's culturally really deep because it's in the radio host now. If you go to a young person's radio station, mm-hmm. the the female host, wanted they wanted to drop in. They wanted to drop her voice. Yeah. Um, and I guess I guess when I started my career, when when we coined the terms mu- muscle tension dysphonia through my professor. Uh, uh, he he started all that. Before that it was it was called vocal fatigue syndrome. <laughs> before that it was called the Bogart Bacall syndrome. Based really? on, on Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. They all talk. Uh, uh, oh it's That's
1: interesting. Cool. Interesting.
2: <laughs> <And> <laughs> I would have never watched Lauren McCall or Humphrey Bogart ever, really. But when I learned that it was like, Oh, you guys just picked really pro people that everybody knew and said, Oh, don't speak like them.
0: mm mm-hmm
2: and it's come back it, it's come back
0: do we want to do some rapid fire now or K- now carrie do you have a few more minutes aaron for us for some fun questions for sure all right so, so what is your favorite word
2: word oh gosh yeah Ooh. um i i don't know my favorite word i guess i've used the word trill more in my life now than anything <laughs> I Call <it> trill. <laughs> Trill, okay I probably what's said your, the F more than that, but uh, I said <laughs> That's
0: coming up, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> uh what's your least favorite kids,
1: word? Right, so <laughs> oh, four kids. Whoa. Um they won't watch this. No. <laughs> least favorite word. Uh rest. Right. Okay. What turns you on? Um i I'm gonna turn me on I get excited about i don't know i i, I
2: feel like it's it's like a, the spontaneity of a sport like um oh. just the the connections to doing something without rules like okay. if you if you punch a bag or if you if you leap and roll that that's what i always would have said uh that, that's a, a huge thing. Like, just let go of everything and just have, let it happen. Oh, cool. Really well, nice.
0: What turns you off?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I know a couple answers for this one for you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sound, obviously, after, you guys know, after being tuned in so so many years, certain sounds are just like, oh, I can't stand it. One would be really nasal sound turns me off, like, it's like, it's, I'd rather hear rasp in a voice than a hypernasal speech pattern, but really tinny nasal, strident nasal sound is just like, oh, it just drives me crazy.
0: So that, that turns you off, and then that is also the sound that you hate the most. So what sound do you love the most?
1: Um... Shouting sound actually, it would
2: be weird to say that, but the 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 power of a voice naturally that comes out when we shout that part of the sound is just uh, just powerful and very unhinged, very uh, un- again released. But uh, you you can't try you can't try to make that sound. It just comes out of us, a cathartic sound. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. The most important question of the day is: do- What is your favorite curse word?
2: I'm, I'm a, I'm an F guy, I guess I, I can use that in any way as I'm not much about a speech pathologist in language because of okay. that one word probably, but it, it's amazing when you work on patients with a brain injury, it still works that word. Really? It's in our head. It's in our head. So sometimes you've got a stroke patient and they can't speak. And you do something, whatever, they, they can still blurt out that word.
3: They still say fuck.
2: <laughs> See Carrie out.
0: said it for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, Carrie, what's your favorite word? Motherfucker.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, you extend it. That's the next Oh yeah. Word.
0: So what profession other than your own would you like to attend?
1: I I mm,
0: Hmm. Hmm. Opera singing.
1: <laughs>
0: That's too
2: hard. You guys picked a really hard game. Um I I would wanna I don't know, I would be it'd be something aggressive. I would probably go into something uh uh like boxing or or MMA fighting.
0: Whoa! Oh That'd be fun. Whoa. Okay, I, I feel pent up aggression here. Like yeah. you talked about hitting a bag <laughs> and boxing. And how many kids do you have? Four kids.
1: <laughs> They're still Daddy, young. They're still. Daddy young.
0: Daddy's been too much with COVID nineteen.
2: I took up <laughs> fishing, and I'm I'm fine. It's fine. But It's like oh, I got this. It's still my aggression. Okay. Yep. If gotcha. I could, if I could do something to to
1: to get paid for that, that would be okay.
3: Okay. All right. But what profession would you not like to do? What profession
1: would I not like to do? Opera singing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was always inquire, like inquisitive about what lawyers do, but now I would never want to be a lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. I just, it's not my style of day to day. And, and that would be a, a job I just couldn't imagine being excited about every day.
0: Okay. Yeah. And the final question. Yeah. If heaven exists, mm-hmm. what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Mm. Oh, mm. We've had everything. Soup to nuts. I'm
2: sure. I'm sure. Um... I, I suppose the first thing come to my mind is my brother died when he was 30. Mm. So I'd ask, where did, where did he go? Where is he? Where is he?
1: Yeah.
2: Show me where, which direction do I go to find him. Yeah. So that's an experience you go through like that, that you don't, you don't think about the next levels of, uh, of where you end up. But uh, I need to say hi. Yeah, that would be a quick hello. Yeah,
0: love yeah. that. That's good. Well, we end on that note.
2: Mm, Thank thank you for
0: your time. It's so great to see you. Yeah, it's great to see your face.
2: You're doing such amazing things. This is such a great info sharing.
0: I hope so. I mean, we just want to touch just one life. Then I think we made a difference and help one person and let them know that we feel the same suckiness that they're feeling someday. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And And to laugh a little bit and to find out some cool information and talk to fun people like you.
3: That, yeah, to, yeah. that we need to spread this information around. So why not? Right. I mean, we're home. We might as well. Let's do it.
2: Exactly. And and the more the better. It's it's always going to be this way. We we want to share. We want to open up and and let some of these secrets out. Um, make sure that people know what to do. And uh, anyway, I can. Al- I always feel like helping. Always.
0: Always. Thank you. Love well, that. I'm, on that note, thank you, thank and you. I hope to see you soon. Yeah. I'll call Katina. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. Take Say care. hi to your family. Bye.
2: Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.